You're listening to The Slam, a national club golfer podcast with me, Alex Perry. doesn't regret much about his Hall of Fame career, but there is still one that hurts. The popular German was just a kid when he first rocked up at Royal St. George's in 1981. A scrawny 23-year-old with bouncing blonde curls, a wispy moustache, and absolutely no idea of the memories, good and bad, he would make over the next four decades on the Kent coast. The 149th Open is his sixth at Sandwich and perhaps his last realistic chance of grabbing the one that has so far got away. He joins me on the NCG podcast to chat about what the Open meant to him, his phenomenal career to date and trading major titles with Greg Norman. Hello Bernard, how are you? Hey Alex, I'm great, thanks. And yourself? Very good, thank you. First of all, thank you for joining me. Before we get to the finer details of your Open record, particularly at Royal St. George's, what did the Open mean to you growing up in Germany? Well, it, it meant a great deal. It was the only major that was played in on European soil. All the other majors are played in America. I, you know, never really played any links golf where I grew up in Bavaria and when I first played some links courses uh, I remember playing St Andrews my first time and I'm going this is not golf this is you know I didn't like it uh, because you sometimes you stand on a tee all you see is a couple of mounds uh, sand hills and you hit over them and then you don't know where the ball is because you can't see it and you have blind shots and then you think you hit a good shot and you get a bad bounce and you're in a pot bunker and you have to play backwards, you know, stuff like that. I wasn't used to that. And uh, the more I played links golf, the more I fell in love with it. I, I really, especially St. Andrews, I could see what the architect was trying to do. I could see how the wind can influence, you know, the golf ball and make the golf course so different every day. I mean, a, a 10 mile an hour wind, from behind or against, and you play a totally different golf course. You know, totally different. There's bunkers in play you didn't even see one day, and all of a sudden they're in play the next day, and things like that. So it it was fascinating to me, and I wanted to learn and become better at it, and and I did, and I fell in literally fell in love with links golf. It's it's maybe my favorite way of playing golf right now. I mean, in terms of the Open, it didn't take you too long to, get, to as you say, uh, fall in love with it. When you arrived at St. George's in 81, you were still a kid um, with a couple of European Tour wins under your belt, a couple of missed cuts of the Open. What were your goals going into that tournament? Could you have ever dreamed that you would finish in the top two? Yeah, maybe not, but I did have a very good year. I remember playing very well in 81. I I basically had a breakthrough at the end of 1980 uh, my last three tournaments on tour I finished third second and first and I continued that form in 81 uh, ended up winning the money list so I, I had a very good year I had confidence and obviously I'm playing against the best in the world and I was never in contention in any major I wasn't even invited into the majors in America uh, 
you know, till after that fact, uh, because it was very difficult for any European to get an invitation to the Masters or the US Open or the PGA. So the only way for me to, to compare myself with the best in the world was the Open Championship. And, uh, yeah, I played good and, and was in contention, certainly. But like I said before, I think I wasn't really to win a major. I, I, you know, I had to go through the learning stages. And, um, uh, and even though I'm a fairly fast learner, it, it still take, took a little bit of time. Now, you mentioned St. Andrews, and of course, you went there in 84. Now, for all the talk of Jack and Arnie, Tiger and Phil down the years, not as much gets said about your rivalry, uh, for want of a better phrase, with Seve Ballesteros. It may have been short-lived, but it really was the game's first heavyweight European rivalry. What was it like playing against someone who really is the polar opposite of you? I mean, you're two of the best golfers of all time, um, but in terms of character, you couldn't be further apart yeah it was uh, i'm sure it was fascinating for the spectators and uh, you know if you if you read some of the media reports and and television we were kind of polar opposites savvy was very outgoing and and you know wore his emotions on the sleeve i was more <laughs> like a stoic iceman or whatever i was more the, the bjorn borg and uh, he was more the McEnroe type um and 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 we were rivals for many years, actually, all through the 80s and early 90s, I think. Uh, we played against each other. We played for each other in the Ryder Cup um, and the Hennessy Cup. Uh, so there, there were fascinating times. We were in a couple of playoffs. Uh, we actually shared one trophy Lancome title because we played four holes. It got dark and uh, they said, well, you can either share it or you go come back tomorrow morning. So we both decided to just share it. And, and <clears throat> I was in another playoff in the Italian Open where I was fortunate to, to beat him. Uh, but he got the better of me, I think, in an Irish Open playoff. So there were many times we were paired together at St. Andrews in 84 and then uh, the Masters in 85. And you know, once I was to congratulate him and the other time he was to congratulate me. Uh, but Savvy was, was an amazing phenom. He, he was maybe the best match player ever and a very gifted and talented player, very driven and just wanted to win. Uh, and, and that's what you need if you want to be one of the best. When you think about that final day at St. Andrews, do you, do you think, oh, I should have had him? Well, I, you know, I obviously every time I play around the golf, I go through my day and, and check it. And I said, man, you, you actually outplayed Savvy from tee to green, but he just outputted you by about three or four shots. And, and that's what it is. Putting is almost half of the game, uh, half of the strokes. And, and he was certainly better putting and chipping than I was uh, during that day. And that's why he won. But I, I, I felt like I gave myself ample opportunities. I just couldn't make the putts. <clears throat> so a year later, you're back in Kent. And by this point, you're in your late 20s, probably at more of a position to win the Open. You, I mean, you've already got a major under your belt. 
Going into Sunday, you're tied for the lead with David Graham. You're the only two players under par and you both shoot 75 to miss out by two to Sandy Lyle. Now, I don't want this chat to be all doom and gloom and I apologise for that, but that is the one that got away, isn't it? It is, yeah. That was probably the, let's call it the easiest one for me to win because I was in a good position going in. I was playing well. Uh, I liked the golf course and I just... Uh, I missed about a four foot putt on the first green. I was five foot putt and that kind of shook me up. It, it really, you know, my putting was kind of came back and I, I, I lost confidence and I didn't putt well that day. And it's hard to score on any tough course if you don't putt well. And uh, I hung in there and I scraped it around and, and, you know, came down that I had to make birdie on the last, to, to tie Sandy Lyle, um, I missed the green and I had a chip from the side of the green and I knew I had to make it and I thought I hit a good chip shot. It went over the edge of the hole about six or eight feet by, but it, it didn't go in. And uh, yeah, that was one of the most disappointing days of golf for me because that one, as you say, got away. I, I could have had that one if I played a little better. Now, you had a top three at Turnberry in 86, but I, I just want to skip ahead to 93 because inexplicably you went to St. George's again and contested again, um, contended, sorry. Uh, much like St. Andrews nine years before, it was more about the phenomenal performance of the player alongside you uh, with Greg Norman shooting a, a frankly absurd 64. Tell me about that day. Yeah, it was uh, one of the best rounds of golf I had seen under the circumstances by Greg Norman. And uh, we were paired together, so I watched every shot he hit, every putt he hit. Uh, I played very well myself. I made one mistake when I hit it out of bounds on 14. My shot was left to right wind and, and the ball got away from me. Uh, but otherwise, I think I shot 67, which is, you know, a good round under any circumstances. But he played a flawless round and, and he deserved to win. Uh, so, yeah, it was once, you know, sometimes you play really good golf, but somebody plays better. And sometimes you don't necessarily play your very best, but everybody else doesn't do well either. And you, you win. So it's that's the game of golf. Would you trade one of your masters with one of Greg's opens? Do you think he would make that trade? <laughs> well, I'm sure we both would make that trade. Uh, he would he would have loved to win the Masters and he had many opportunities to do that. And, and I would have loved to win an Open Championship and, and I had ample opportunities myself there too. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we both would. So this year you'll head back to St. George's for a sixth time by virtue of your Senior Open win in 2019. Um, in fact, the postponement of the 149th Open to this year has worked out quite nicely for you because it means it's 40 years since your first appearance at Sandwich. Can I just, can I, first of all, can I just put this into some sort of perspective? Um, when you arrived at St. George's in 81, you had a couple of low-level tour wins and three major appearances, in two, including two missed cuts. You'll tee up this year as one of the most decorated golfers of all time, 117 professional wins. Uh, two green jackets and 11 senior majors. You've won the R Ryder Cup numerous times as a player, then as a captain. You're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you're still going strong. You have a really nice car. Do you sometimes have to pinch yourself at what you've achieved? Absolutely, Alex. It's uh, mind-boggling to think where I came from, a little village in Bavaria, to where golf was nothing 
Um, golf was not popular in, in Germany at the time. A actually, people saw it's putt-putt, it's mini-golf, you know, when I said I'm playing golf. And, uh, you know, some of my friends said, why don't you play soccer with us? Why are you going to the golf course? You know, stuff like that. But uh, it's it's come a long way, and I truly have to, like you say, pinch myself and to realize uh, how good the game has been for me. And it's taken me all over the globe, not just a few countries in Europe. I've been many, many places around the world and met with a lot of wonderful people, played, played golf and had dinner with fantastic people all over the place. I've uh, seen a lot of cultures and, and have been tremendously blessed by you know winning so many tournaments. And uh, I agree, the Open Championship has gotten away, but um, I've, I've won a bunch of others and uh, I can't complain at all. Now, you say it's gotten away, uh, and, but I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you are perhaps as fit as you've ever been and you're playing well. Did you watch Phil Mickelson's win at the PGA Championship and think, I'm only a few years older than him. The Open is very unpredictable. This could, uh, this could be, I mean, it would be the story to end all stories. Well, it's certainly, I, I've actually been saying for about 10, 12 years that I am convinced a senior will win a major championship. And we all saw what Tom Watson almost did when he was actually 59, almost 60 years old. And, and he was very unfortunate not to win that tournament there at uh, Turnberry, I think, when he hit an eight iron. Yeah. And it, it hit that knob in front of the green and took a huge bounce. I mean, if that ball goes a foot further in the air or a foot shorter, he'll make par and win the championship. Anyways, I, I was... You know, and I can see how good these guys are on the Champions Tour. And I I'm, I was convinced the senior's going to win a major uh, sooner or later. And it it took till this year, till Phil did it. And it's going to happen again down the road. Um, the, the, the bad thing in a way is that length has become so important nowadays. They, you know, turn par fives into par fours because they have to with the uh, amazing distances these young guys are hitting it but there will be some seniors like like Mickelson who still hits the ball extremely far I'm not one of those uh, I'm also a bit older than him so distance has become extremely important and uh, I can see it every year when I play the Masters you know I'm hitting two and three hybrids when they hit nine iron into a par four and they reach par fives I can't reach uh, so the, the game has become a lot more about distance than accuracy. I know accuracy is important, but distance seems to be the key. And we saw Bryson DeChambeau win the U.S. Open out of the rough many a times because he can hit it three, 330 off the tee, and then you can still hit a wedge, 150, and, and you can reach any part four and two with a wedge. While other guys, if I would hit in the rough there, I, I couldn't hit a three iron out of the rough. So it, it's a it's a big advantage if you can hit the ball that far. Does that really apply at a tournament like the Open? I mean, forgive my ignorance, I've never played in one, but I, I've grown up playing a lot of Lynx golf. And um, obviously, the, for me, it, it feels like it's more about tactics. It, it is certainly some about tactics, but they've lengthened a lot of the open championship courses as well, because uh, otherwise they would be driving the green, you know, so or get it be become a drive and chip and putt course. 
and they don't want that to happen. So they've lengthened a lot of the courses and there's some forced carries and, uh, you know, certain things. It's, it's just an advantage if you can hit it over 300 yards in the air. And if you don't need to on some holes, uh, you know, they can hit a two iron or something where I can hit my driver. So it's, it's easy to control the two iron uh, than it is to, to control the driver. So there's, there's always an advantage if you can hit it far. Of course, a week later, you'll head to Sunningdale to try and defend your senior open and win your fifth overall. And what a record you have in that competition, by the way, including that frankly ludicrous 13 shot win in 2014 over Monty. I feel like I know the answer to this, but do those wins at the Senior Open, playing against a majority of the players with whom you competed at the Open, in any way make up for for not getting over the line at the Open? Well, it doesn't make up for it, but it's the next best thing, if you can understand that. Um, As I said, it was disappointing for me not to win an Open Championship in my career uh, so far. But the Senior British Open is very similar in a way that you play the same golf courses often on a, on a many times on a links course and you play against the best in your age category. Uh, the same guys I've played all my life really. And to come out on top is still very gratifying and, and very satisfactory. Yeah. I spoke to Monty uh, a few months ago and he said that actually he still has that same fire that he had in his European tour career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that fire will never leave you. You know, whenever that's what makes us competitors. When we tee it up, we, we want to win. We want to be in the hunt. We want to be in the last pairing and have a chance to lift the trophy and measure ourselves against the best there is. Uh, I'm Bernard. That, that I've finished my uh, my questions on the open. Perhaps next time we talk, um, we could do it ahead of the Masters, and then you've probably got a lot of happier memories. Um, Bernard, um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, and, and good thank luck to the season. Good, good talking to you. Thanks, Alex. Take thank care. Thank you.